Adult content intended for an adult audience only. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. The Longest Night of the Year by From Butkintil Chapter 1 She looked out the tinted window at the East River as the limo sped into Manhattan. It was early, but already dark on this solstice night. The falling snow was beautiful in the lights from the bridge, and while the roads were only wet now, she suspected it would start to accumulate soon, because the night was very cold. Absent-mindedly, she toyed with the ring on the leather collar around her neck. Hands, slave, her master said. She put her hands in her lap. I'm sorry, master, I know better than to touch your collar with my hands. He stroked her hair. I know events like this make you nervous, but the holiday party is important, and most people are bringing their spouses. Or their slaves, she thought. Yes, master, she said, her eyes down. Are we going to be there long? I don't think so, he said. I need to make an appearance, but I've already told Leonard that we have a dinner reservation. Thank you, master, she said. At least we'll be gone before the serious drinking starts. He heard the edge of trepidation in her voice. Don't worry, pet. I'll keep you by my side as much as possible, and Amelia will be there. She can handle anything. She raised her eyes to look at him. Does she know? No, love, of course not. All she knows is that I treasure you and want you treated very well. No one anywhere knew about her slavery, had ever seen the marks or restraints or other adornments frequently concealed under her clothing, had ever suspected how often her knees were sore, her ass burning, her jaw aching, her cunt leaking cum. But a few close friends knew something was different about them, that they had a strong sexual energy that she was much more relaxed and quiet around him, that she seemed to let him take the lead in ways she would not tolerate from others. They thought his treatment of her, and her response, was a sexy modern version of old-fashioned chivalry, when in fact it was an owner taking good care of his property. People noticed that she was sometimes quiet and thoughtful, not realizing that she was actually waiting for his permission to raise her eyes or speak. Amelia, the CEO of this startup, or the grown-up in the room, didn't know them socially, but had heard him on the phone, giving her instructions about dinner or clothing. She had helped him arrange cars or pickups, relaying his instructions to drivers that they were not to let her off at the curb, but to drive down into their building's garage and leave her at the entrance to their private elevator, and wait until the doors closed. She'd seen the occasional shopping bag from boutique lingerie stores so she hadn't been surprised by his request to keep an eye on his wife and guide her around. It surprised Amelia that such a powerful woman would need that, but perhaps she held herself back at these functions because it was not her company, not her business relationships. Perhaps this was how two powerful people navigated their separate spheres of control. In actuality, the slave had no sphere of control at all. Whatever she was doing or wherever she was— First and foremost, she was his property. She was not holding herself back in these situations, but rather was granted permission to behave aggressively in other contexts. Her owner appreciated that side of her, encouraged and supported her success, 
enjoyed knowing that the woman on stage in front of a conference would later be on her knees in front of him. Tonight, and every night, she would be following orders and obeying her owner's rules. May I drink, master? she asked. He stroked her hair and ran his fingers over her lips. Her mouth opened. Not on your own. I'll get you a cocktail when we arrive, but if you get a drink on your own, it's sparkling water only. If you want anything else, you come and ask me. Yes, master, she said, around the fingers that were now pushing into her mouth. Her owner's fingers plunged deeper and pulled her mouth wide open. He held her like that for a moment, then used his handkerchief to catch her saliva before it dripped onto her blouse and released her. Remember your hydration rules, he said, drying his fingers on his handkerchief instead of her face or hair. This will be a long night. If you're with Amelia, you don't need to ask permission to use the bathroom, but you can't go alone. The car left the highway and stopped at a light. He released her seat belt and positioned a cushion on the floor of the car. She knelt onto it, moving carefully, lifting her skirt so it did not drag on the floor. His hand on her shoulder instructed her to turn around. She knew what this meant and leaned forward to rest her head on the seat facing them, lifting her skirt above her waist and clasping her hands behind her head. His foot on the inside of her knees told her to spread her legs wider. The driver kept at or below the speed limit, avoiding bumps as if he were carrying fine china, as he'd been instructed. He owner didn't touch her, just admired the sight of her exposed ass and cunt her long legs, the boots locked onto her feet. The plug in her ass glinted in the streetlights, the chain hanging from it caressed her wet lips, and hanging from it, a small Christmas ornament between her legs swayed gently with the moving of the car. Chapter 2 With her head down and her skirt raised, she felt his eyes on her. She was used to being exposed like this, but had never before had a holiday decoration hanging between her legs. Its presence, its significance, and its motion all aroused her, and she felt her wetness starting to run down the inside of her thighs. Earlier that evening, before she'd gotten dressed, he'd bent her over the bed and fucked her ass thoroughly. After he came, he withdrew his cock and swiftly replaced it with a steel plug, the one that had a little ring in it. Then he told her to lie back on the bed facing him. He raised and spread her legs. Hold your ankles. Pull them as far open and as far back as you can. She did so. Lift your hips more, he said, and she did so, fully exposing the plug. She felt him remove the pendant his monogram that usually hung from her pierced clit hood. She heard him reach into the bedside drawer, then felt him attach something else to the ring in her piercing. A slender chain draw snug against her cunt lips as he attached the other end to the ring in the plug. He put his finger underneath it pulled gently, and seemed satisfied. Stay there, he said. He went to the dresser, then returned and leaned over her, holding a small box, from which he removed what looked like a miniature old-fashioned Christmas ornament, like the ones that fell off the tree that the Grinch stole. It was a silver ball with a ring in the top. He dangled it above her face. Feel it gently, he said. She released one ankle, keeping the leg up as much as she could, and placed her fingers around it. It wasn't metal or glass, but seemed like it might be soft. It hardly weighed anything. Attached to the top, where an ornament would have the wire hook to hang from the tree, was a short chain to which was attached a largest jewelry clasp. 
He moved back between her legs and she grabbed her ankle again, spreading wide. He lifted the chain from her cunt lips, squeezed the clasp ring open, and closed it around the chain. She felt every small tug on her clit ring as he worked. He stood back, and the ball fell against her cunt. It's made of a fairly thin plastic that will crumple and crease if it's squeezed, he said. You must ensure that it is as smooth and undamaged at the end of the evening as it is now. He lifted it gently with his fingers. Let your legs go and sit up slowly. She did so, keeping them spread, while he held the ball. He released it to rest on the bed between her thighs. I was making sure that it didn't get caught under your legs as you moved, but that will be your job, and you may not touch it with your hands except when using the bathroom. Yes, master, she said. The ball was small, but as high as it was between her thighs, it would be an effort to keep her legs open enough not to squeeze it. He gave her his hand. Stand up and look at yourself. She saw herself in the full-length mirror, naked except for her collar, and this new adornment. It hung between her thighs, swinging gently. She was decorated. Her owner had decorated his property for the holiday. The clasp had enough play to move forward and back on the chain so it hung from its lowest point, near the opening of her cunt, touching her open thighs on each side. If she leaned forward, she could close her legs tightly and keep it in front of them, rather than between them, but she knew better than to close her legs like that in front of her master. May I touch it, please? she asked softly. Yes, pet, he said. Gently. It was very light and she already felt her juices on it where it had rested against her shaven cunt lips when she'd been on her back. She lifted it, and the clasp brushed her lips as it moved then again when she let go. The motion of the chain, the gentle tugs on her piercing, and the feel of the motion communicated through the plug in her ass, all served to arouse her intensely, as did this new experience of being used being ornamented, like a tree or a mailbox. Get dressed, pet. The rest of your clothes are on the bed. A soft dark green blouse, thin and delicate like silk, but synthetic. Underneath it, a black lace bra, presumably for modesty in front of his colleagues at the party. A green slip, similar in color and material to the blouse, that would fall above her knee, and a longer skirt, black, with a lining, full enough to swing around her legs. The slip and the lining meant there would be no underwear. Underneath were just a pair of wine-red stockings and a black garter belt. Alongside them was a silver bracelet in a simple pattern, thicker and heavier than most. She placed it around her wrist and held her hand out for her master to tighten the Torx screw that closed it. With a matching watch band on her left wrist, there were cuffs that could be worn in public, both strong enough to serve as restraints, each loose enough to attach a ring or a clip. He took a blazer from the closet, similar in color to her stockings, and placed it on the bed. When she was dressed, she walked carefully to the entry hall, stepping oddly, almost as if she were walking on railroad tracks, keeping her legs open for the ball. She tried walking faster, and found that if she kept a rhythm, the ornament would bounce out of the way of her legs with each step, but it wasn't easy, so she slowed down again. At the bench where they kept the shoes, she knelt. Ordinarily she just sank to her knees, but she realized that if she did that, she would have to close her legs. Instead, she squatted, spreading her legs, then rocked carefully forward onto her knees, holding her skirt out of the way. The ball bounced around as she moved, 
and the chain pulled tighter as she sank down, evoking a whimper. On her knees, hands clasped behind her back and eyes down, she waited until her owner joined her. He held a pair of calf-high leather boots with leather straps on the boots that also served as attachment points for ankle restraints, or for the spreader bar that she saw leaning in the corner next to the umbrella. He stood in front of her. Master, may I suggest the new black shoes? she asked. Yes, he said. She fetched them and put them onto his feet with the shoehorn. A tug on her collar told her to get up, so she stood up carefully, extending one leg then the other, keeping them spread, then turned and sat on the bench. She pulled on the snug-fitting boots and zipped them up, then extended each one for her master to tighten the straps above her ankle and secure them with more torque screws. Another tug on her collar, and she stood up. Her master wrapped a scarf around her neck, put on her coat, and draped a cashmere shawl over her shoulders. She looked elegantly dressed, but while the styles were different, she was locked into the exact same set of restraints she usually wore at home collar, wrist cuffs, ankle restraints. He held her arm. Don't rush, he said. If you need to stop, let me know. She stepped carefully into the elevator grateful for his support. He picked up the umbrella and the spreader bar, holding them together so the bar was concealed amongst the umbrella's folds, and they descended. The elevator stopped at the lobby, so the car must be outside on the street. He meant to parade her through the lobby like this. Slowly, she walked with him, her eyes down, concentrating on the ball between her legs. Her owner led his slave through the lobby, nodded to the doorman, and held the door for her. The car wasn't there yet. It was bitterly cold, and the wind had picked up. It was starting to snow, so she pulled her shawl up over her head and held it closed. The wind flapped her skirt and chilled her exposed cunt. She felt the ball sway slightly in the draft and crystals of snow blowing against her legs. Her owner helped her down the curb when the car arrived. The driver did not get out, so he opened the door, and she paused realizing that getting into the car as she usually did would crush the ball. It was a wide suicide door, though, so she turned around and sat down backwards on the car seat, her legs still open, facing her owner. She lifted her right leg high enough to clear the door zill, and swung it into the car, spreading her legs so wide her skirt rode up. Were her owner not standing there, she would be exposing her naked cunt passers-by on the sidewalk. Once that leg was in, she turned herself and brought her other leg in. He closed her door, and she sat back, realizing how much work this was going to be. She lifted her coat and her skirt out from under herself, seating her bare ass directly on the cloth already placed for her on the seat. She removed and folded her shawl, and laid her hands open at her sides. Her owner got in on the other side, and closed his door. She leaned forward for him to remove her coat, then sat back as he buckled and tightened her seat belt. He folded her coat and placed it on the facing seat, then raised the hem of her skirt and reached between her legs to examine the ball. Good girl, he said. He left her exposed, buckled his own belt, and clicked the intercom button to tell the driver to get going. The warm air from the heater wafted faintly against her naked cunt and the ornament between her legs bounced with the motion of the car. She shivered, perhaps with the chill, perhaps with arousal, perhaps with anticipation. Chapter 3 When the car stopped in front of the club, she remained still, face down. 
With the towel that had been on the seat he wiped her juices where they had run down the insides of her thighs, then lifted the ornament and pressed the cloth against her cunt, blotting her wetness but affording her no stimulation. He pulled down and smoothed her skirt and slip and lifted her head by the ring on her collar, turning her around. She knelt facing him and bowed her head into his crotch as he unbuckled the leather collar. From his pocket he took her necklace, which was actually a subtle collar a heavy chain that held a letter R in the hollow of her throat. Most people thought it was her initial, but it was a capital letter his initial, not hers. Their first names both began with an R, so she could openly wear this statement of his ownership. He fastened it and tightened the screw that held it closed. Lots of people in the tech field had pocket knives with Torx screwdrivers, she thought, but probably for use on their devices rather than their slaves. He held her coat open beside him, and she put her arms back, lifting herself into the coat and seating herself as she backed into it. At the last moment she realized she was about to sit on the ornament and tilted over onto his lap. He grabbed her to prevent her from falling over as she lifted her left leg so as not to crush it. I'm sorry, sir, but it's okay. He reached between her legs to check it, then helped her sit back up. Good girl. She remained seated, eyes down and hands at her sides, as he exited his side of the car. When he opened her door, she again spread her legs wide, careful not to squeeze the decoration between her legs. The wind blew directly up her skirt onto her damp cunt until she got to her feet and he closed her coat around her. He took her arm and led her to the door. She kept her eyes down and hands clasped as he gave his name to the host, then led her into the club. Amelia, he said, and a tall woman turned from a conversation with one of the staff. You remember our, he said. The mention of her name was a signal to his slave that she was allowed to raise her eyes and speak. She did so, smiling and extending her hand. Amelia took it and kissed her cheek. Lovely to see you both, she said. The code room is just behind you. There's a buffet in the back of the room and Leonard's floating around here somewhere. Thanks, he smiled and took his slave by the hand. He briefly grasped her wrist, encircling it with his fingers, a signal to lower her eyes again and remain silent. He led her to the coat check, removed her coat and shawl and handed them to the clerk, followed by his own topcoat. Both tickets went into his pocket. She stood quietly behind him. Would you like a drink? He asked. Yes, sir, please, she answered quietly, without raising her eyes. With an arm around her waist he guided her to the bar. She stood quietly as he got the bartender's attention. A youngish man leaving the bar with his drink almost ran into her. Excuse me, I'm so sorry, he exclaimed. She smiled but did not raise her eyes or speak. I'm Ellen, he said. Can I buy you a drink, instead of trying to throw one on you? It was actually a pretty good line, considering, but she was not allowed to engage in that or any other conversation. She didn't look at him, just kept her eyes down, and did not respond. Oak away, he said. Whatever. He walked away, muttering, bitch, under his breath, audibly. She did raise her eyes then, to make sure the boar left, and to look for her owner, who was returning with the drinks. He held hers out to her, a signal that she could raise her eyes to him, use her hands, and eat or drink. She took it. Thank you, she said quietly, 
omitting the honorific because of the people nearby, but he knew it was implied. Do you know someone here named Alan? she asked. I don't think so, he said. Why? He was pretty rude to me just now, she said. He tried to pick me up and then got annoyed when I didn't respond. Can you point him out? her owner asked. She looked around, but he was gone. I don't see him. He rubbed her back proprietarily. Let me know if he comes back. Amelia approached again. Leonard's over there with that new investor. Can you join him? Turning to the slave, she asked. How are you doing? Will you come get something from the buffet with me? Her owner gave a small nod, so she said. I'd love to. They walked towards the back of the room, Amelia slowing down to match her careful steps. New boots? she asked. The slave laughed. Very new. The decoration between her legs was new indeed, and she focused on it as they crossed the room. They chatted for a little while, Amelia asking about the slave's design firm, what business was like, the challenges of a woman at executive levels in this world. Amelia never ceased to be surprised at the contrasts. On the one hand, our spoke confidently about managing prima donna staff, while on the other, she wouldn't go to the bathroom alone. Another one of the staff rushed up to Amelia. The slave had met him several times but didn't remember his name. She was relieved when he ignored her and asked Amelia urgently to join the group with the potential new investor. I'm sorry I have to do this, she said to the slave. Will you be all right on your own? Of course, she said. Her owner would see Amelia join the group and would therefore know she was alone. She found a spot against the wall and leaned back. She swayed a bit to move the chain and the ornament against her cunt, clenching and unclenching her ass around the plug. Being decorated in this way, trimmed like a tree, was incredibly arousing. Her eyes half closed, she drifted a little. But she snapped to attention at a voice close by and a hand on her upper arm. It was Alan again. Are you in a better mood now? He asked, sounding inebriated already. My mood is none of your business, she snapped, and take your hand off me. Whoa, he said loudly, laughing and pulling her a little off balance. Somebody's got an attitude. He reached for her ass. She pushed him. Take your hands off me this second, she said in a ringing voice. Get the hell away from me. Heads turned, and he let her go, stepping back. Two men in ill-fitting suits started heading their way. Oh, fuck off, he said and turned. One of the two men took him by the arm while the other asked the slave. Are you okay? Yes, thank you. I'm fine, she said. He's being escorted out, the security man said. I'm sorry about that. Is there anything we can get you? No, thanks, she said. He left to accompany his partner to the door with the lout between them. She wasn't actually fine. She was shaken. She thought she was in a safe space, but she'd just come rather close to having a stranger a rude, misogynistic stranger discover what was, and wasn't, under her clothes. She shifted her shawl from her shoulders to her left arm, and held it front of her, concealing her hand as she held the ornament through the fabric of her skirt. She walked quickly to where her owner was standing. Robert, she said. He turned, surprised. She turned her right hand palm upward in a distress sign. Can I talk to you? Of course, he said, turning to her and drawing her away from the group. 
What's wrong? Alan, she spit. That creep grabbed me and tried to get his hands on my ass. Security got rid of him, but can we please leave? Her tone was anything but submissive, but in situations like this she was allowed to do whatever was necessary, and the distressed gesture was essentially a situational safe word. Give me a moment, he said. Amelia? The executive stepped over to them. Please find out who Alan is, and if he works for us, open an HR case for harassment. Amelia's eyebrows rose. What happened? Are you all right? She asked, noticing the slave's change in tone and demeanor. She's fine, but he basically assaulted her, said her owner. Ask security they removed him, but we need to leave. Amelia nodded, considering how to handle the investor. No problem, she said. I'll handle it. I'll call you tomorrow. He nodded and took his slave by the arm. Let's walk quickly, he said, so she continued holding the ornament as they went to get their coats. She let it drop back to hang between her legs as he helped her on with her coat, and feeling more comfortable and protected, began to relax into her owner's control. They left the club, now walking slowly as she carefully managed the decoration between her legs. It was cold, and he held her against him, shielding her from the wind, as they waited for the car. When it arrived, she got in smoothly she was getting better at this. He got in and took her in his arms. I am so sorry, love, he said. I did not expect that. It's not your fault, she said, again disregarding proper form, but knowing her owner would understand. Thank you for taking care of me. Please just hold me. He did, stroking her hair as she lay her head in his lap. She was turned so that the ball dangled sideways from the chain, and she kept her hips placed so as not to crush it between them. Focusing on this kind of slave duty helped her feel safe and centered, calming her. He continued to hold her as her breath slowed. Master, I realized that my tone and behavior earlier were not what you expect from your slave, she said. You did exactly the right thing, he said. You're my slave, not a mindless plaything. I trust your submission because I know what you're capable of and know that you can handle yourself. I'm actually very proud of you. Their dinner reservation wasn't for another couple of hours. He knew that she had a soft spot for Christmas pageantry, so he asked. How about we go up to Rockefeller Center? Oh, yes, she said delightedly. Thank you, master. She raised her head and sat back, lifting her skirt and coat properly and sitting on the fresh cloth spreading her legs. He stroked them, raising her skirt. She lifted to him and started to grow very wet again. He fondled the chain, pulled it gently, circled her clit with his fingers. She moaned. He leaned her forward to remove her coat, then put the cushion on the floor. Kneel, he said. She complied, glad to be able to relax further into his ownership. He unbuttoned her blouse and removed it. Take off your bra, he said. She reached behind her to unclasp it and handed it to him. He pulled her face to his crotch without opening his pants, and she nuzzled his cock as he stroked her hair and her breasts. Finally the traffic eased a bit, and she lost her balance momentarily when the car stopped sharply, avoiding a taxi cutting into lane. He told her to sit up and get back in her seat. He buckled their belts, spread her legs wider, and played with her until the fresh towel was almost as wet as the last one. You are not to come, 
he reminded her. Yes, master, she said. That feels so good, sir. Just this. Thank you. She lay her head back, closed her eyes, spread herself wider, and let his fingers take her mind away. Chapter 4 The car finally pulled up on the side street near the giant Christmas tree. We're here, he said, and she opened her eyes, roused from her dozing and drifting on the pleasure that had never built to orgasm. On your knees, he said, and she obeyed. Spread your legs wider and hold up your skirt. She did so, and he used the cloth to wipe her juices. We'll need to get you some water soon, he said. Yes, sir, thank you, she replied. He held her blouse and she put it back on. He buttoned it up just barely enough to cover her naked breasts. Her bra remained on the seat next to him. He helped her on with her coat, then opened his door and came around to her side, helping her out. The night was still cold, and she was wearing even less than she had been earlier. They stood and looked at the tree for a while, and he embraced her, his hands sliding under her coat, raising her skirt, and tapping her holiday decoration. You're a lot more beautiful than the tree, he said, removing his hand and pulling her skirt back down. Oh, master, she sighed. But she was starting to shiver. Her wetness was giving her a chill and the metal between her legs and in her ass was beginning to transmit the cold. He felt her trembling and guided her inside to the cafe, where he sat her down and ordered hot chocolate. He brought her a bottle of water as well, telling her to drink it all before having any of the chocolate. For the first time this evening, she was sitting on her skirt. Her owner would not permit her to expose herself in public or sit her bare ass on a cafe seat. She was quite wet, and glad for the slip and the lining in the skirt. He held her hand as they watched the skaters and drank their chocolate. I made a bad call with the party, he said after a while. I should have known that people who are annoying in the office can get downright dangerous in a bar. When I saw that Amelia had left you I should have done something right away. I thought I was safe, she said. I figured Amelia knew what she was doing. I'll talk to her about that but the bottom line is that you were left in a dangerous situation while I was doing business. I won't let that happen again. Thank you, master, she said. I wish it hadn't happened, but sir, I trust you. I knew I could come to you, and you did exactly the right thing. I was upset and angry, but I still knew that I was your property. I still knew that your slave would be your first priority. I always know that. I always know I'm your slave and I always know what that means. Thank you. He kissed her deeply in response. On the way to the restaurant, she was bent over on her knees on the facing seat, her skirt raised to her waist to expose her ass. He stroked her legs, played with the chain, tugging it so that her clit hood stretched a little. He penetrated her cunt, then removed her plug and inserted his fingers into her ass. He worked her ass thoroughly, then inserted his thumb into her vagina and squeezed. He continued tugging on the plug he held in his hand, moving the chain against her cunt. She was moaning and gasping. Master, may I come? she asked. No, pet, he said, removing his fingers. He reached for the bottle of lube in one of the drink holders and squeezed some onto the plug, and inserted it back into her ass. Sit back up here, he said. We're almost there. You'll be on strict rules until I say otherwise. She lowered her eyes. 
He held his fingers to her mouth, and she licked them clean, and he wiped them on a cloth. At the restaurant, he led her inside to the coat check and then to their table. She saw very little of her surroundings, trusting her owner to guide her. He spread a cloth on her seat, and knowing what that meant, she raised her skirt and sat, trusting that her owner was sure no one could see her briefly expose herself. Her master ordered still water, filled her glass and ordered her to drink it all. She kept her eyes down as the waiter came to the table and explained the specials. Her owner ordered for the both of them, then took her hand. How are you feeling? he asked gently. Calmer, she said, eyes still down. This quiet feels good, master. He held her hand until the food came. He arranged his napkin and picked up his silverware, but she kept he hands in her lap until he said, You may begin. She picked up her utensils to eat, keeping her eyes on her plate, speaking only when spoken to. This was the kind of public display of her slavery that her master enjoyed. Nothing explicit or shocking, just a level of submissiveness that had probably gotten a second glance from the waiter. That thought made her wetter. After five minutes or so, her owner lifted her chin, releasing the restrictions on her behavior. She smiled at him and looked around. They were at a corner table in the back of a dark restaurant. No one was sitting near them. She felt his hand on her knee and opened her legs wider, so that her legs were almost straddling the seat. They talked as they ate, his hands occasionally slipping under the table and up her skirt. She was very wet and glad for the cloth under her naked cunt. She could also feel the latest application of lube squeezing out of her ass around the plug. She drank another full glass of water at her owner's instruction and asked permission to use the bathroom again. Yes, you may, he said. No touching except for the tissue, and make sure to hold the ornament out of the way. Yes, sir, she said. She walked slowly to the bathroom, raised her skirt and held the ornament as her water flowed. She cleaned herself, obediently not touching herself, washed her hands and returned to the table. They concluded their meal and left the restaurant, this time with her allowed to look around. He again draped her coat over her shoulders, and with his coat over his arm, they left the restaurant and got back into the car to head to his house upstate. While the car crawled through holiday traffic, she was on her knees facing him. He unzipped and removed her skirt, leaving her in only the thin blouse and her slip. He unzipped his own pants, and she sucked him while he removed the subtle collar and replaced it with the leather collar with the heavy rings. He fondled her nipples through her blouse as she sucked, but chose not to come, instead lifting her head as they neared the highway. From a compartment in the door, he removed a large ring gag. She opened her mouth without being told, and he inserted it carefully. It was leather or vinyl or something else with a little give, thankfully, because it pressed hard against her lips and spread her mouth wide. He pulled her head down again. This gag was large so that he could continue using her mouth. She was no longer able to give him a proper blowjob, so he fucked her mouth, gently, until he came. His cum spilled out of the gag she could not control that but he scooped it up with his fingers and spread it on her face, then inserted his fingers into her mouth for her to lick. They were almost at the highway. Back up on the seat, he said, and she sat down for him to buckle her in. He took her hands, clipped her watch band and bracelet together, and attached them to something above her head. He then reached down and clipped the straps on her boots to something on the front of the seat. 
She was restrained and spread wide, her hands above her head, as the car swung onto the highway. He must trust this driver. Drool flowed down her chin onto her breasts and her blouse. His fingers went into her cunt, into her mouth, pulled her nipples, played with her clit. He took a dildo out of the side pocket and fucked her alternately in her cunt and mouth until she was screaming. She looked at him, but he shook his head. Not yet, he said. He pushed the dildo in and out of her cunt, then turned a switch on the back. It was a vibrator. He slowly turned it up, looking her in the eyes. She begged wordlessly through the gag. He turned it back down. She begged harder, crying. He withdrew it and teased her clit with it on the lowest setting. Her moaning was continuous. Keep begging, slut, he said, moving the tip of the vibrator along her cunt lips. Her wordless pleas became more urgent, and she kept trying to raise her cunt to the vibrator. Finally he plunged it back into her, hard enough to hurt. She screamed, and he turned it up. Now you can come, slut, he said. Come for me. She let herself go, screaming and thrashing and lifting her hips so that she was almost lying straight out. The fingers of his other hand began pushing on her plug in her ass, and that triggered a second, more violent, wave. Good girl, he said, as she relaxed back down onto the seat. She panted, and attempted to say, Thank you, master, through the gag. Her shirt was completely soaked. Her wrists were scraped and sore from the metal restraints that were much less forgiving than her usual leather cuffs. Her face was running with tears, snot and drool. You're such a slut, aren't you? He said. Yes, master, I am. She mumbled through the gag. You want more, don't you? She nodded and tried to say. Please, master. He smiled. Perhaps I'll allow you a clit orgasm. He released her hands from the overhead hook, keeping them cuffed together, and placed them in her lap. Her slip was up around her waist, her legs spread, and her hands a few inches away from her soaking, aching cunt but she knew better than to touch herself. She pleaded with her eyes, mumbled pleas through her gag, raised and clasped her hands in the prayer-like begging gesture. He lowered her hands back to her lap, but held the chain between them. You may play with your clit, and only your clit, he said. She nodded. Yes, master, yes, yes. He released the chain, and she let her fingers begin to circle her clit. The chain was both an obstacle and a stimulation. She could rub it directly on her clit, move it aside and push her clit into it, or squeeze from both sides. She closed her eyes, began to moan. Her fingers moved faster, she lifted her hips and shuddered, and fell back. One, she said. Good girl, her master said. She held her hand still, and looked at him. You can keep going, slut, he said. Her attempt to thank him turned into a moan as her fingers began moving again. This one was quicker but less intense. She twisted and groaned, and said, Two. Very nice, he said. She was just touching her clit lightly. Carefully and slowly through the gag, she asked, Master, may I touch my lips? He looked at her, and she raised her hands again to beg. He grasped the inside of her thigh tightly, right in her crotch. The side of his hand was against her cunt, his fingers digging into her thigh next to where the ornament rested. Go ahead, he said, but stay away from your opening. 
Do not touch my fingertips. With a wordless moan of thanks, she spread her lips and began running her fingers along them, brushing against his hand but staying carefully above his fingertips. Her lips were so wet, so slick, so soft, and the metal chain between them magnified everything. She stroked them and circled her clit, pressed down harder, and then her hips bucked, and she screamed. 3. Her hands moved up and down faster, and she kept thrashing and thrusting her hips. 4. She panted and fell back. Maybe 5. I'm not sure. He kissed her deeply and tightened her seatbelt. What an amazing slut you are, he said. He leaned back, his hand still on her thigh, and she continued to play, gently and slowly, exploring the chain, moving the ring in her piercing up and down, never going down too low. She was in a daze, her head to the side, looking out the window, a string of drool running down her chin. She shuddered softly a few times, and he suspected that might have been six or seven, but she probably didn't know either, and that was just fine. Her fingers slowed and she napped. Occasionally her fingers would move again and a soft cry would escape her lips, but soon she was sleeping for real. Her eyes opened when the car stopped at the bottom of the exit ramp. She looked at her master and made a questioning noise through her gag. No, he said. We still have at least an hour to go. She looked at the cushion and he shook his head. These are country roads. She nodded. He took her hands away from her cunt and clipped the chain to her collar. Her wrists were raw, so she clasped her collar with her hands to take the weight off. She looked at him because this was normally not allowed, but he kissed her forehead. He laid his head back and closed his eyes. She watched the trees go by, swaying as the car rounded curves, the ornament rolling back and forth between her legs, moving the chain, tantalizing her. Her hands were locked, her legs held open, and the seatbelt held her firmly in place. She had nothing to do but look out the window and drool. They stopped at a light in a small town, and in the glare of a gas station's gigantic sign, he unbuckled her seatbelt. Lift up he said, and reached beneath her. It turned out that there was more than one cloth beneath her. On top of the usual towel-sized cloth, there was a smaller, softer cloth, almost like a large handkerchief, soaking wet. He pulled this away and rebuckled her seat belt. Head back, he said, and balled the cloth up and squeezed it over her face. Drips of herself ran down her cheeks, and then he slowly fed the cloth through the hole in her gag until no more would fit. The taste and scent of her filled her mouth. There was a faint taste of lube that had leaked out of her ass. There was a hint of urine, so she must have let some go at some point. There was sweat. But most of all there was her cunt, her juices now not just wiped there, but stuffed in until her cheeks bulged. He unlocked her hands from her collar and she lay back, her hands in her lap again. She was too spent to play with herself but instead gently stroked and rolled the ornament between her legs. It moved on its chain and she thought of the beautiful ornaments hanging from the Rockefeller center tree. Hers wasn't as big, but she was very proud of it. Chapter 5 As the car turned onto the smaller, bumpier roads, she stirred and opened her eyes. She felt like she'd been in the car all night. She couldn't remember how many times she'd come. Her hands were covered with her juices. The sopping cloth still filled her mouth. Her wrists were raw from the steel bracelet, 
and watched Band it was a good thing they'd be at the house for a week to give the marks time to fade. Her jaw ached from being held open so long and the gag was rubbing the inside of her mouth top and bottom. Her blouse was completely soaked with drool, as was her slip. She dozed and moaned, slipping between aching for sex and aching for sleep. She did not realize they'd arrived until her master unbuckled her seat belt. He guided her onto her knees facing the door on her side of the car. He spread her legs and reached between them to remove the ornament. It was intact and he patted her head. He removed the cloth from her mouth and replaced it with the ornament and told her to keep her head forward so it didn't choke her. She nodded and a string of drool depended from the gag and broke onto her already soaking wet blouse. He draped her coat over her shoulders and buttoned the top two buttons. He exited on his side of the car, came around to hers, opened her door, and helped her out of the car. The cold bit into her immediately, and she snapped wide awake. The coat did not cover her front very well, and the damp thin blouse stuck to her skin, almost feeling colder than if she'd been naked. The slip was just as wet, and the wind whipped it around her ankles and chilled her wet cunt and thighs. Facing away from the car, she shivered as her owner talked to the driver briefly. She clenched her legs against the cold, glad the ornament had been removed. The car drove off, and her owner took her by the arm and around the waist to guide her up the stairs. The caretaker had salted them but the footing was still treacherous. He unlocked the front door and guided her within. He stopped her from kneeling, instead guiding her into the den. He pulled a fluffy fleece blanket from the couch and spread it in front of the gas fire, which he turned on full. The heat washed over her as he unbuttoned and removed her blouse and guided her down on all fours. He removed her slip, unlocked, unzipped and removed her boots, wrapped her in the blanket, and kissed her head. Kneel up, he said. I don't want you falling asleep just yet. Head up. He reached into her mouth and removed the ornament, clipped it to the collar around her neck, and fastened her hands behind her back. He left the room. He returned and pulled her collar to bring her to her feet. He did not assist her as she struggled to stand without the use of her hands. He guided her to the bathroom and held the ring of her collar as she peed. He cupped his hand in her stream for a moment, then held it against her lips and emptied it over the gag into her mouth. Some ran down her chin, joining the drool covering her chest. When she finished, he patted her dry with a tissue, pressing deliberately against her clit, and washed his hands. There was no need to wash hers since they had not touched anything. He guided her back to the hearth, laid her down, and wrapped her in the blanket. He released her hands, then turned her on her back. She spread her legs without being told, and raised her arms above her head. He unclipped the chain from the ring in her clit, and played with her further. She moaned and raised her hips. He had done so many things to her tonight, but he had not fucked her. He stood to take off his pants, then stood over her. She opened her mouth. Good girl, he said, kneeling with his knees on each side of her and picking her head up as he pushed his cock into the ring gag. It just barely fit, and the gag pressed hard against her gums as he thrust in, then abraded the inside of her lips as he pulled out. He was gentle with her and turned her head after he withdrew to let the drool spill out of her mouth. Then he lifted her legs and entered her hard and she cried out. Her hips bucked as he fucked her, alternately going deep, then pulling out and waiting as she raised her hips to him and pleaded unintelligibly through the gag. 
He pulled out without having come, then rolled her over. He lifted her hips and removed her plug, releasing pent-up air, something that had never lost its power to humiliate and embarrass her. He held the plug to her ring gag and she extended her tongue to lick it, and then he inserted it until its base was against the ring. The plug was messy and bitter and cold on her tongue. He put on a condom he didn't want to get himself messy, nor did he want to wash up if he wanted to fuck her again then raised her hips. A bottle of lube had been warming on the hearth, and he squirted it into her ass, then entered her. Deep and hard he went, and then he reached for her right arm and pulled it down and towards her crotch. He was going to let her play with herself and come. Her fingers touched her clit, and she came quickly once, then again as she felt him building to his own climax. He rolled her over, removed the plug from her mouth and replaced it with the base of the condom, squeezing his cum out into her mouth. Swallow, he said, and when he saw her throat move, he reached behind her neck and finally unbuckled the gag. He took it out gently and brushed her sore lips with his fingers. She opened and closed her mouth. He left the room and she heard the toilet flush and the sink run. He came back, carrying her fluffy robe. Stand up, he said, holding it out for her. He wrapped her in it and kissed her. Go wash up and brush your teeth, he said. She did so, rinsing with mouthwash because she knew he'd not kiss her if she were not clean. She ran a cloth under the warm water to clean her neck and breasts and between her legs, concluding by stretching herself open and wiping the lube and waste from her ass. She put the stained cloth in the hamper and went into the bedroom. She knelt by the bedside and waited for her master to turn to her. When he did, she bent her head and took his cock in her mouth as he removed the collar. He lifted her head by the chin and kissed her. Come up here, he said. You did a very good job tonight. She crawled between the sheets and he pulled the covers up to her chin. He kissed her good night and turned out the light. The end.